Welcome to Activate, a podcast for mobile marketers brought to you by Remerge. Take a short break from your screen and listen to what's working in mobile marketing and what's not, straight from the people who are doing it now. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Activate podcast. Again, my name is Tommy. Today, I have a really fantastic guest on the line who I think works at one of the most interesting game app development studios in the world. They're based out in Vancouver, Canada. He'll tell us about them in a minute. But today, I have with me Kevin O'Brien, who is the marketing director at LBC Studios. Kevin, thanks for joining us. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Anytime. It's been a long time coming. We're super stoked to talk to you. I know you've been vocal in the space for a while and you have a lot of really cool insights, so I'm excited to dive in. Kevin, for those who don't know you well, could you tell us really quick who you are, where you work, and what you kind of focus on? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, marketing director at LBC Studios. Been here just over two years now. I'm working on a game called Empire. It's the world's largest mobile cannabis game. It's sort of like Farmville, but you get to grow pot on your phone. So I've released on both iOS and Android. It's pretty high rated, about 4.7 stars on both platforms. And, you know, we're really happy that our third birthday is coming up on 420 in 2020. So, yeah, exciting times. Do you guys throw a sick birthday party every 420? Yeah, we actually participate in the 420 Festival sort of protest celebration in Vancouver down in Sunset Beach. It's a large outdoor, very kind of festival meets uh, food truck meets retail kind of event. And uh, last year, we were up on stage doing interviews with the host of the event. And Cypress Hill was the headliner. So 100,000 people on the beach. Oh, sick. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we'll have a booth there. We cut a birthday cake. We try to give out some swag to our fans. And uh, it's usually pretty good vibes. So we'll, we'll be celebrating again. Awesome. And this must be I have a few questions I definitely want to ask you, but just out of curiosity, this must be an exciting time for you in general as a company, right? I mean, I live in Massachusetts, right? And we legalized marijuana, I don't know, a couple of years ago, but it's just now that we actually see shops popping up. And I know it just kind of around the US, for example, this is something that isn't becoming illegal anymore, right? More and more states are moving to legalize it. Have you seen that that has had an impact on your business and it's maybe play your game more? Yeah, for sure. I mean, most of our audience is in the U.S., even though we're a Canadian studio. But as you may have known, like Canada went fully federal legal last October. And right after that, we saw a large search spike. Obviously, people are curious about cannabis in different ways, and we're showing up in the results. So we got a lot of organics from that. But yeah, we are seeing this happen across the states. I mean, if you look at California as one state, it's the size of our entire country. So when that state went legal, then we were able to look at having a successful game and as more and more states kind of lax the laws and the world in general sort of becomes a bit different with new generations and opinions on cannabis you know it's a good place to be it's really exciting the people are really optimistic about the future so yeah awesome i'm stoked for you guys that's really cool i agree i think we're going to see more and more states look to kind of change to more of those progressive viewpoints on something like cannabis in any case this is a quick hit episode so generally speaking when we have guests on the line we talk a lot about what are they doing right? What are the things that they're implementing, the strategies they're putting in place to kill it for their marketing teams? I'm curious, Kevin, to kind of go the other way, right? I would love for our kind of segment to focus on mistakes. So I'm curious to hear maybe what are some lessons, we'll call it three lessons 
you've learned in your career from making a mistake or making mistakes? I mean, there's lots. There's definitely, I mean, a few key lessons that apply to everything uh, as far as kind of making a mistake and learning from it is they're really easy to make. That is the main takeaway <laughs> that I've learned over the time is with the amount of data and numbers, platforms and adjustments you're making, stuff can get overlooked or a small mistake can happen. And I think part of knowing that is just to be prepared that these can be remedied and they can be addressed. And the sooner you realize it, obviously the better, but mistakes happen and they're pretty easy in a very quick tech-driven industry, especially when you're learning user interfaces, new dashboards and stuff. And that's kind of what happened to me. I've been doing marketing for about 10 years now and Facebook was invented when I was in university. So digital advertising did exist, but it wasn't social. It wasn't on a Facebook platform. And it wasn't until years after I graduated that Facebook ads even popping up. And by then I was working in public relations and I was doing a lot of blogger relations where we're actually doing social media um, engagement with influencers as much as we're sending out press releases. And eventually that turned into advertorials and spending money on Facebook. And that's where I got my feet really wet with uh, digital advertising and social media advertising, which uh, led into me getting into the gaming industry. There wasn't any mobile game industry degree to get. I don't think there's right now. So the skills I learned in the back end of Facebook were using the Facebook ads manager and spending some money, boosting posts, tracking, looking at analytics. But when I stepped into the game industry, I was a whole different beast. The types of budgets you run with and specifically using a different platform like Power Editor was totally new to me. And with my first week at a studio I used to work at, I am very excited. I got in there and I set up some new campaigns and I'm tracking the ROAD. I had some goals of like 50%, like day seven, looking at trying to get in-app purchases to compensate for the CPI that we we're spending. And a couple of these campaigns I set up were doing really well. They're not big budgets. There's a bunch of different ad sets in them. And I looked at one of the campaigns and I looked at this one ad set. And it was at a $50 a day budget. I think it was like a $3 bid for the CPI. And it was hitting full. It was like 100% row as positive within like a few days. And I was so excited that that weekend I changed the budget up to $100. Just doubled it, right? I was like, let's go. Let's double this down. Yeah. Wasn't until Monday morning. When I had an engineer come over and tap my shoulder and ask, did you know we spent $17,000 on one ad set? Basically overnight. And I'm like, that's no, that news to me. I quickly looked and I saw that 100 I had entered actually got punched in as 10,000. Brutal. Yeah. So a couple decimal spots, obviously. Different <laughs> editing. I wasn't used to having uh, decimals or... I'm not sure what happened, but I published that change and it ran the whole budget for a day and then it started spending the next day. And by the time we caught it, about 17 grand. And I never ran with a budget like even close to something like that in my life. I think I had a monthly budget. It was maybe what I'd spent overnight that I'd worked on in my history up until then. And I thought, well, there goes my job. There goes any opportunity they're going to have trusting me in the back end of Facebook now. And I had a bit of a meltdown, I remember. And it was like, obviously, a big, big financial mistake. So we had a, a bit of a, a fire meeting, you know, and I'm sitting at the table and I've got the CEO, I've got my marketing director. And I was just like, I made a mistake. I was excited. I meant to do this. This is what happened. And I'll never forget uh, the CEO at the time said, okay, well, let's track it. Let's learn from it. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, how many installs did we get? I look back, we got something like 5,000 installs, like plus installs yeah, exactly. overnight. Yeah. 
they're all from our top performing ad set. And I expected there to be like good quality installs coming from this cohort. And they were. And it took us a bit longer than seven days to hit our target. But looking back at that cohort three months later, we tripled our revenue. We were over 300% returns from that two-day worth. And obviously, that's a great, like, that helped ease the pain a lot. Yeah. Um, it was scary, yeah. scary tracking it for a while when you didn't see that revenue come in. But uh, the learning from it was obviously learn what you did wrong. I think now Facebook actually has a little pop-up. If you try to change the budget more than like 200%. <laughs> That might have been for Oh, me. interesting. Okay. Yeah, I know Google does, and I think Facebook has one too. That's cool. And also, when you're able to, you can cohort this users. You know, you've got all their device IDs, you know who they are, and you can kind of benchmark them. And we learned something from this that I'm not sure many studios have, or anyone really has. Like, what happens if you 1,000x <laughs> your budget on a on yeah, right? overnight? What happens? Like, it's not really a hypothesis anyone would want to test, but because we had the opportunity to look at it and obviously deep enough pockets that we we were able to absorb it, it was actually quite an interesting lesson to learn. So if anybody ever asked me what happens, if you, if you wanted to do that, I might actually have some insight from a huge mistake that I made. No, it's super interesting. And it goes to show that like money spent is not money wasted, Yeah, even if it isn't spent how you intended it, right? Like that money, A, drove actually pretty damn good installs for you guys in the long run. And even if it hadn't, you probably would have learned something about that exact use case. Hey, what happens if we really pump spend? Like, can we expect the same returns? The answer would have been no. And as a business, you would have known to not do that again. So it's one of those things, you know, classic, you learn, you learn a lot from little mistakes like that, that actually end up being big mistakes. <laughs> well, I got a pretty funny nickname. I mean, my last name's O'Brien and they started calling me uh, Double O Kevin. So... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So yeah, I got the uh, double zeros were, were kind of buzzing around for a bit. But hey, I mean, it was a good lesson. And you're right. If we didn't make our money back, at least we would have learned a lot about the process, knowing that our data can handle something like that, and that we're able to track it accurately. That would have been a good learning already. But yeah, it was obviously a good cohort that we cranked the jets up on. So yeah, it was a, a lesson kind of in disguise. Totally. So I'm actually going to take two lessons out of that mistake. One is just that like, it's kind of, in my opinion, it might be pretty easy to make mistakes on self-service platforms, especially that old school of Facebook where you didn't have some alerts, right? Maybe they're more prone to errors. So maybe one lesson is be very, very meticulous when you are using self-service tools. And the second is kind of what your whole kind of thesis here was. And that's if you can validate results or analyze data, there's learnings no matter what, because there's money being spent and there's data behind that money that's valuable to a business. Is that reasonable? That is for sure. And I like to keep the rule of around 20% of any kind of budget or strategy should be for testing or for improving or trying to do multivariance and stuff. And you know, it may not be all at once. You want to spend that 20% on one test, but it's a good idea to kind of build up that war chest once in a while and look at ways you can try something unique because you never know. Hey, maybe that burst up the charts gets you a whole bunch of organics, gets you a whole bunch of good reviews, gets you into new geos you didn't know had you know, an opportunity. And all of that comes from trying something you may not know is going to succeed. So yeah, there's definitely lessons there. Yeah, cool. Anything else you wanted to touch on in terms of mistakes? I know I asked three, but that answer was so perfect that I actually don't need a third unless you have one. Oh man, I mean, yeah, I've done a, there's been mistakes where I've not had my app installed with like the right version at an event. And you're standing there 
at a uh, mobile event on your super smartphone and you look like the dumbest guy in the room. <laughs> it's funny because I'm not the one that's usually trying to give a sales pitch you know, in the studio and people are coming up to me and I kind of look at that as really polished when somebody has a presentation ready with stuff relevant to you, even if they just drop your logo on a slide deck, it's like, okay, you did a little bit. Yeah. So if I'm the one showing off the game, then my slide deck should be on my phone. Basically here, click on the app store. There it is. And I've learned to just, it's a trick I use with Google Drive. I'm always on Android, so I'm not sure if it's the same on iOS, but you can pin a bunch of files and videos and artwork and stuff on your phone right before you go to an event. So do it at the Wi-Fi in your hotel room or whatever. You're going to the conference or you're about to go to a meeting and maybe it's in a bunker and you have no reception. Just having those files that you can reference. So here's the gameplay video at the very worst. Here's our latest artwork from the App Store in its raw versions. Like that will be as good as presenting the live stuff if you don't have it. But if you don't have that, then yeah, it looks bad when your loading screen is just sitting there. <laughs> and so I've had my point yeah, man. Yeah. as the marketing guy from the studio. And that's something I've really made sure is on my checklist before I walk out the door, especially with the way data cramps up at events too. You're at E3 or something, and yet you can't find a solid Wi-Fi signal. It's insane. So yeah, sometimes it's all about having a little bit of preparedness and you want to make yourself look as good as possible. So having the best quality files, if you work with an influencer trying to get their raw versions, so you can actually show off the behind the scenes really adds value as well to shareholders. And I feel like having the assets available that people can see and like zoom in on and ask questions about, that can be really engaging for a studio when they're networking. So something that salespeople do really great jobs of from a lot of different companies, but I think studios need to also think about the presentation of it. Think more like a salesperson. That's what I took from that. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, you've been in the space so long. So influencer marketing, something I don't know anything about. I've lived in the programmatic space for like my whole damn career. So I don't know shit when it comes to influencer marketing. So what I'm hoping from you today is to get maybe like one or two or three or however many you want do's and don'ts of influencer marketing that you would give to someone like me who doesn't know anything about them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's still kind of the Wild West right now as far as how influencers really add value to a studio as far as like driving installs, tracking ROAS and scaling up, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that I, I have done in the past is work with agencies that represent a large roster of influencers. And they seem to run into the same issues that, that I've run into working directly with influencers as well. It's just a, it's a bit tricky to get data, to get the right communication going, the right content. So what we've started to do a bit more of is get back to the, I mean, we're a pretty established studio now. We've got this pretty solid budget and we're looking at influencers, not just as like, oh, wow, you have 100 million fans or you have 20,000 swipe ups on your story every day. Like, that's great. But we've reached so many people through our own marketing and through working with influencer accounts, like those kind of comedy channels on Instagram that have millions of followers. We've done that. So the Venn diagram of like how many people you can reach has kind of been overlapped so many times that what we're really looking for now when we work with influencers is the content that they create for us, the actual videos and the shout outs and the product placement or the review. If they leave us a review, we want it to be honest and we want it to come like from their mouth. And then also we want to be able to use that asset in our own marketing. 
So that's really what the value with oh, the cool. to us is now is getting the actual content to be used as our own marketing piece. We've probably seen those ads where it's like the picture in picture, kind of like YouTube streamer, like reviewing a mobile game. And a lot of times that's like yeah. directly from their YouTube review that they worked with the studio on, but you're then seeing that ad with the end card and like a little mini playable. And it's now part of their user acquisition and that content if you're going to go hire a video production team and like get some actors and try and get somebody that has an honest and valuable opinion, it's going to be pretty expensive. But when you work with an influencer and you're looking at reaching their network and providing them with some money to plug a product, the cost actually becomes really, really viable because you can use both the distribution as a KPI, but also the asset itself as something that adds value. So the example that I want to use right now is we just worked with Tommy Chong. Cheech and Chong, he's like one of the legends yeah. in the cannabis space. Yeah, so he's still out there kicking it. He's got a funny um, weekly uh, series he does on LA Weekly. He was just in the Explain documentary series I saw on Netflix about cannabis. So he's everywhere still. He's Oh, no way. Yeah. Have you watched that show? Yeah, I've been, oh, every week there's a new episode. I've been binging it. It's great. It's so good. I've just been getting into it like over the last two weeks and it's, it's freaking awesome. I'll have to check out that one with Tommy Chong. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's funny. The one on weed, I think it's from season one, but yeah, there's Tommy Chong in it. And it's funny. I actually, it was playing in the background and I heard his voice. I'm like, Oh, what? I recognized it because he just did our ad for us. (laughs) Well, we actually, uh, we did a sponsored review with him on LA weekly and it's a minute long. It's on our YouTube channel. You can check it out on uh, empire games, YouTube channel. And it's okay. now we're editing it. We've got the raw files. We're editing it into stories for Instagram, for Snapchat as well for ads. We've got 15 and 30 second versions that we're making in Square and with different UI effects around it. So that video obviously reached his audience. He distributed it on his Instagram and on his blog. But we also got the files to work with afterwards. And for us, that was a win-win because it's a great guy. He's perfect kind of cultural and demographic fit for our game. Also, yeah. because it's a bit older skewing, uh, we do have a, a lot of those kind of baby boomers, the later aged gamers that really like the casual atmosphere in our game. And we no found that. Oh, that's hilarious. But we're going to use them for some re-engagement as well, you know, trying to get people back. And if you check out the review, like it's pretty honest. Like he seems to be having fun. We sent him some swag. He's been in touch. He wants to meet up when he's in Vancouver. So yeah, it was a really great project. But the real value for us wasn't the distribution at all. It was the actual video itself. We feel like that's got long long shelf life and it was really well well received and we got a lot of installs when we first published it but we're hoping that we're going to be getting installs for the foreseeable future from that creative and honestly it also sounds like correct me if i'm wrong but it it sounds like while this was a transaction of hey tommy chong we'll pay you to to help us market this product right it feels like you guys did create a relationship as well that's maybe more than that in that he actually said hey i would love to meet up next time in vancouver or something right so having him as a resource for potentially future titles you guys launch and being able to have those assets like it seems like it's more than just hey here's x number of dollars for you to write an instagram post and and maybe that's part of the takeaway here yeah that that's it for sure and we hope to meet him he seems like he'd uh fun in our office i love it man Well, thanks so much, Kevin. That was super helpful. I mean, again, I've never done influencer marketing. My impression was always actually that you literally just like pay them to post on YouTube or Instagram and that's kind of all they'll do. But knowing that you could actually negotiate using the assets for future ads is pretty valuable information. Yeah. And more and more influencers are realizing that's uh, 
part of their product. So you'll see when you request, sometimes you just go to their bio and says, hey, contact us for business inquiries. Sometimes they'll send you back a pretty robust kit with uh, information about their demographics or reach on different platforms. And then also, reach, yeah. like if you want a 30-second video, do you want it in this orientation? Do you want it to be edited with your logo? Like what are the requirements? Background music, do you want it to be green screening? Some influencers are actually getting to the point where they're becoming their own little production house. And people know that that organic kind of influencer content, it's like having an article written about you rather than having an ad. It's the same thing I used to do in public relations. It's all about the PR value. So it seems more organic, more natural or newsy, then it's going to be better received. So yeah, I mean, we're going to be testing out these creatives. Obviously, everything is determined by the numbers, but early impressions seem pretty good from our first test we've run, and we'll have more results to share soon. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. As always, incredibly insightful. Thank you, Kevin, for everything today. Really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, though. And again, for our listeners, our guest today was Kevin O'Brien, who is a marketing director at LBC Studios. Their flagship title, as I understand it, is Hempire. If you don't have it already, go download it. Try their game. 4.7 star rating. Give it a shot. I imagine you'll love it. Thanks again, Kevin. Really appreciate it, dude. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking a break with us and listening to our weekly episode of Activate by Remerge. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. The more people you tell, the further we can spread these awesome mobile marketing insights. See you next week.